Well, we are continuing our series in Matthew's Gospel. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 12. And if you read along with me in these last verses, beginning in verse 46, Matthew writes, While he was still speaking to the people, behold... His mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Father, your word is true and your word gives life to us and your word helps to transform us and train us and it gives us faith. And this morning we ask that as we study your word, as we have read your word, you would build faith in our hearts and help us to live lives that honor and glorify your name, the reason for which we've been created. And so, Lord, by your Spirit, attend to your word this morning, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Beginning in Matthew 5 and finishing here in Matthew 12, Jesus has been defining what it means to be one of his disciples. He's described it in many ways. His disciples are blessed. They are salt and light. They express faith. They will be persecuted and ultimately they will be rewarded. But to be his disciple ultimately is to identify with him and accept all that his discipleship means. Now all around us, if you, if you drive around enough, all around you will see people wanting to find their identity. And they do it in, in many ways. They, they find their identity in their job, in their family, in their relationships, in the things they eat. I'm a vegan. Or the hobbies they're a part of, where they're from. I'm from Texas. There's just a lot of ways that people identify themselves. Drive around enough and you'll see on bumper stickers how people want to promote their identities. Poodles are my family. I'm woke. I'm a student driver. Problem there. I'm a cat lover. I saw one lowly office worker by day, fearless unicorn hunter by night. Um, All these bumper stickers and many more that you've seen, they're all saying, this is who I am. And in these eight chapters, however, Matthew tells us that you and I, all of humanity, can only have one of two possible identities. Either we're disciples of Christ or we are enemies of Christ, which was vividly made clear by Jesus in in chapter 10, verse 30, where he said, whoever is not with me is against me. And this statement is literally still hanging in the air when Jesus's family arrives outside of the house where he is teaching his disciples in the passage we just read. While he was still speaking to the people, Matthew uses this phrase again and again, behold, 
His mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Now you'll notice here, verse 46, the opening of this passage, but there's no verse 47. I don't know if you've seen that, but it goes from verse 46 to verse 48. The ESV omits this verse because it largely is a repeat of verse 46. Now the NASB, New American Standard Bible, does keep it. And it reads this, And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But the ESV, just the translators, determined to admit it. But it still fits in here, even though that verse is not there. So I just wanted to clarify that if you might have noticed there is no verse 47. Now, Jesus' family wants to speak to him, but they're unable to get inside because the crowds are so big. So they send word to him in the midst of his teaching to come outside. Now, there is some background to why his family is here, why they are outside. And it's because, as we've read in other passages, his family has concerns for him. In Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through 35, it records the very same episode that we see here in Matthew. And both accounts are pretty much the same as you read through them. But just 10 verses earlier in Mark chapter 3, Mark gives us a clearer picture why Jesus' family wants to see him. Mark 3.21 records that when an earlier crowd had gathered around Jesus, his family went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. That's their concern for him. Jesus is not right in his mind. And in John Chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, his brother mock his power and his fame. John adds, not even his brothers believed in him. This family portrait that Matthew gives us is the context for Jesus' response here in 1246 through 50. And that response is this. It's It's an unusual response. He ignores his family and instead asks his disciples a rather strange question. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He's asking his disciples who are sitting around them in this house, surrounded by other people, he's asking them, who's my family? And now, you think about that, that is a strange question to ask because he knows that Mary is his mother and he knows that those brothers outside are his brothers. So why does he respond this way? Why does he react to this? His reason is he is unwilling to silence the gospel by giving his biological family priority over his spiritual family. And this response is consistent with all the things he's already said. Excuse me just a moment. My head must be growing smaller. All right. This response is consistent with all that he's already said about putting membership in the kingdom of heaven, in the family of God, ahead of natural families. And we read that in Matthew 8, 21 and 22 and Matthew 10, 37. Now, understand this. Jesus loves his natural family and he's not treating them with contempt, but he's rather defining for his disciples. He's letting them know exactly who his real family is. 
He's defining for them his priority. His priority family is not those outside the house, but those inside the house, his followers. Now, Matthew includes this encounter for our sake. He includes this encounter that we might be challenged to put Christ first in our lives. Even even above our own family, which is a radical departure from how this ancient Near Eastern culture functioned, as well as how our society functions today in many ways. Family is everything. Family is, to many, that's, that's the pinnacle. Family is everything. But Jesus is making a statement here, which one? Which one? As disciples, our relationship with Him takes priority over every other relationship we have. And here, Matthew lays out for us what Jesus requires by showing us three things. One, the cost of being His disciple. Secondly, the demands of being His disciple. And finally, the assurances we have as His disciples. Now, the cost of being a disciple, that's our first point, in 46 and through 48. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? With Jesus' family outside, he poses this question. And this This really does reveal the cost to being his disciple. These disciples sitting at Jesus' feet have left everything to follow him. They've left their family. They've left their jobs. They've left their friends. They've left everything behind to follow Christ. And as he explains to them in chapter 10, they're also going to suffer. They're going to be persecuted as a follower of Christ. There's There's a high cost to being a disciple. And here in 1246, Jesus' family, they're trying to use the priority of family to distract him from his gospel ministry, from teaching, which in effect would silence the gospel. Now, Jesus is not saying here that loving God and loving family are somehow mutually exclusive. Just, is there a way to fix these, Jim? I'm so sorry, but they just keep coming off. You want to? Do you have any duct tape? (laughs) I'm in a spiritual battle with. That feel better? Yes, (laughs) I think it's going to work. Thank you. The cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is high. Now, he's not, he's not saying here that loving God and our family is mutually exclusive, but he's saying that our, our spiritual family actually takes priority over our natural family. And that is, that's a hard concept for us to, to understand. He knew from the past ex- experience that his family's interactions with him did not align with his father's will in in much the same way that Peter's response to Jesus you know you you can't go to the cross and Jesus responds get behind me Satan it's in a similar way that's what his family is doing here and Jesus is 
rebuked Peter, and in a sense, he's, he's gently admonishing his family. My highest priority is not my natural family. It's my spiritual family. His response doesn't lessen in any way the importance of our family relationships, but it does show us what our highest priority is to be if we're to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And what, what Jesus is saying here is when we come to faith in Christ, family life will change. Jesus regards his disciples' relationship with him a much higher priority than his own family. I don't remember earlier, he said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10, 37. These are stunning words, which he's now acting out literally before his disciples. He's communicating to them, yeah, my mom and my brothers are outside, but... You are my family. You are my highest priority. And his disciples, as he demonstrates his highest priority, he is telling his disciples, you have to pay the same cost. And not just his disciples 2,000 years ago, but his disciples, everyone sitting in this room. There, there will be times when unbelieving family members don't understand our commitment to Christ and our relationship to our church. And it will create, and it has, I'm sure, created tension and division. If we belong to Christ, though, we belong to His family. We are His mother and brother and sisters, a family that he places his highest priority on, a spiritual family that is unlike our natural family. Our natural family is temporal. Our spiritual family, the men and women, the children who have come to faith in Christ, those sitting next to you who profess Christ are your eternal family. Eternal. Is Christ more important than our spouse and our children and our parents? Yeah. Yeah, our natural family is temporal. Our relationship with Christ <clears throat> excuse me, and one another is eternal. Now, this, this does not mean in any way that we neglect our spouses and our children and our family. We love our families and we love them best by showing them that that Christ is preeminent in our lives. That's what we demonstrate for our family. That's how we best love our families. And we, we best love our families by showing them our investment in God's spiritual family, His church, where He is worshipped and where He's preached and where He's exalted. And we can do that here in this church through our commitment and our service and our sacrifice, which you have done again and again. And it's why we are here now, mistakenly, some Christians have romanticized their family life to the point that nothing is more important than their family time, even at the expense of their spiritual family. I had this experience many years ago where somebody called me on a, on a Saturday night and said, hey, I need someone to replace me in this certain area of service because it's my daughter's birthday tomorrow and we're skipping church so that we can have a picnic, because that's what families do, he said to me. 
It might sound noble, but that was a contradiction on how we are called to live as brothers and sisters and members of his church, but most importantly, as disciples of Christ. It might even seem right to say, my highest priority is to be a godly husband and a godly father, but that's not correct. My highest priority is to be a godly man or woman who grows daily in my knowledge of Christ. And understand, this does not diminish the family. God's God's wisdom will help us strike the right balance. But the cost to following Christ, that's real. That is real. Natural family relationships, yes, they are very important because they've been created by God, but they are not what is most important, what Jesus tells us here. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. There's a cost to being a disciple. Our relationship with him must take priority over our relationships with our natural family. Now, Jesus came into the world to gather together a spiritual family, a heavenly family, his church where we're gathered today and his mother and brothers needed to recognize that priority. They needed to understand who this son and brother was. And Jesus was making it clear for them in this passage. So there is a cost to being his disciple. But there are also demands that he makes upon us in being his disciple. To be his disciples, we no longer put our own purposes first. Paul tells us that we have been bought with a price, that price being the shed blood of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. In Romans, Romans, Paul writes that disciples are no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. And as servants and slaves, Jesus places demands upon our lives as disciples. We, are, we see two in particular in this passage, put Christ first and secondly do the will of the Father. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Put Christ first and do the will of his Father. In, in the, radical, the radical demands of a disciple of Christ just don't sit well with a society that is, that is founded in independence. In Matthew 8, 21 and 22, Jesus said, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, Jesus says that anyone who puts family duties such as this, as attending to aged parents ahead of following him, ahead of putting him as a priority, ahead of Christ being preeminent, Jesus is saying they are spiritually dead. In 10, 37 and 38, what I read a moment ago, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Our love for Christ must supersede, must supersede even 
the love we have for our own family, a love that will be proven by obeying his commands, whoever does the will of my Father. John 14, 15, if you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And his point is this, if kingdom and family come in conflict, the kingdom must prevail. That's a significant demand upon our lives. Another is what we read here in 1250. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, how do we know what God's will is? Particularly what Jesus is speaking about right here, that we might be the disciples that Christ has called us to be, that we might live the radical life that Christ has called us to live, that we might be willing to make the sacrifices that Christ is asking us to make. What, how do we know what His will is? Well, the Beatitudes reveal God's will for us, the Beatitudes that we study. The Sermon on the Mount reveals God's will for us, how we are to live. The Bible reveals God's will for us. Whoever is willing to follow these commands belongs to Christ's family. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to give his disciples and disciples in every generation insight into the priority and radical demands of his kingdom. What he does here in front of his disciples and in communicating to his mom and his brothers outside and the crowd standing around, what he does here is he takes the sacred ties of family which is of deep importance in that culture as well as in our culture. And he puts them under submission to the gospel. That's what he's doing. And he takes our old way of life and he puts it under submission to the gospel. Now, doing the will of the Father in heaven to be called a brother or sister or mother is not salvation by works. It's not that we have somehow merited our salvation. Jesus does not say, whoever does the will belongs to my family. But what he's saying here is, but those who are in my family will do the Father's will. And so those are the, those are the demands. He demands that we make him... All, our highest priority. Because, listen, Christ, if you've come to faith in Christ, He has a claim upon your life that no one else has. And He can make demands upon our lives that no one else can. That's the radical nature of the kingdom of God. He, he lets us know there's a cost to being His disciple. And there are demands He makes upon us for being his disciples. But that's not all Jesus is communicating here. There are wonderful assurances that he gives us because we are his disciples, because we are in his family. And that leads us to our third point, the assurances we have as his disciple. And there are three assurances that we see in this passage. The first is we belong to his family. We are adopted. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. We are family to one another. 
because of his saving work on the cross, because of his death on the cross, we've been forgiven of our sin and given the gift of eternal life. And he's placed us into a family the moment we are born again, into this spiritual family. And God himself, because we belong to his family and he is our father, he loves us and he talks to us and he welcomes us as Christ welcomes us to his table, which we will partake of in just a few moments. He takes care of us and he provides for us. By his death on the cross, he's left us a rich inheritance. And now in heaven, he prays for us. And he forgives us when we confess our sins. He's preserving us until he returns for us or we go home to be with him. That is an assurance we have because we belong to his family. Secondly, we, we can do his will. We're not, we're not left to our own strength, our own devices. He's given us the Holy Spirit that we might be able to do the will of the Father. Even when our faith is feeble and our repentance weak and our strength small, He will always be with us and we will always forever be in His family. He's promised, Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. As a disciple, God has the highest vested interest in caring for you, enduring with you, preserving you, protecting you, providing for you. That's the assurances that you have by belonging to His family. And thirdly, we have an assurance that we have a heavenly Father by His saving grace. Think about this. We, we wear His name. We bear His image. We have His nature. We are called children of God. R.C. Sproul in his commentary said this, First, these statements in no way lessen the importance of family relationships. But they show once again that Jesus regarded love for him as more important than love for family members. Earlier we saw that Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He was making a similar point in identifying his disciples as brothers and sisters and mother. Second, these words of Jesus point to the beautiful doctrine of adoption into the family of God. Yes, Jesus was the earthly son of Mary, and he honored her and loved her. He even made provision for John to care for her as he hung on the cross. But in a higher sense, Jesus understood that he was the son of God. And he was declaring here that all those who put their trust in him become his brothers and sisters. It is only when someone is truly converted that he has the ability to do the will of God. They do it because they've been adopted by the Father. Now, that quote and this this passage also makes a statement. It makes a statement to those of you who may not have put your faith and trust in Christ. That right now you're not in the family of God. But if you respond to the gospel, if you look to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins by his death on the cross, 
If you do that, you are adopted into the family of God. And all the assurances that come with that are yours in Christ. So, this passage, it, it, it makes a radical claim that there's a cost to being His disciple. That there are demands He places upon us. But that we can rest in the assurances that He gives us that we are His children. Now, how, how do we apply this? Well, certainly we must love our families. But we must love Christ more. And when we do, we'll be doing the will of the Father. Our, that's our, our truest family as Literally those sitting around you right now. Yes, our, our natural family, our natural family is high priority. It is ordained by God, and that makes it good. And God uses families as a means of redemption as fathers and mothers raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But Jesus is after more. You know, there's an old expression, blood is thicker than water. But that does not fit with this passage, what Jesus is saying here. Our spiritual family is more permanent than our earthly family. Jesus isn't dissolving family, natural family bonds, but he's showing the strength of supernatural family bonds by the work of the Spirit. And he gives us the assurance that we belong to him. So brothers and sisters, a passage like that, it does, it does challenge us, but it gives us hope. It gives us great hope. Now, you, in, in, in some respect, you, you, don't, you don't get ever to choose your family. All right? No doubt there are times my kids would have not chosen me. But think about this. You really don't get to choose your spiritual family either. God chose you and placed you into his spiritual family. And those sitting around you, they're yours now. They're your brothers and sisters. And let me say, as your friend and as your pastor, no sibling rivalries in this church. Let us, let us live out this family life together in a manner that, that brings honor and glory to God. Thankfully, by God's grace, this church has been so faithful in guarding itself from gossip and slander and division. Let us continue. Let us maintain that priority. Let us remain faithful to that. Let us be the family of God, the radical disciples that Christ has called us to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for calling us into your family. Thank you that when we were going astray, we were living Apart from your family, we were lost. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were enemies of the cross. You came and you gave us your mercy and you brought us into your family. You adopted us as sons and daughters that we might be 
disciples. Lord, help us to live that life for your glory and for your honor. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.